Welcome to the Littler Labor and Employment Podcast, conversations about employment and labor law issues that impact the workplace. Good day. I hope everybody's doing well today. My name is George Lopez. I am the process chair for the Global Mobility and Immigration Practice Group at Littler. With me are Michelle White and Sean McCrory, both attorneys to practice within the immigration sphere. Michelle directly manages day-to-day visa green cards as well as I-9 E-Verify compliance issues. Sean concentrates mostly as a labor and employment attorney in general litigation, but does have a good bench strength from his years at DHS in reference to I-9 compliance and E-Verify type issues. And he will be discussing exclusively in that area where Michelle will be a little bit more comprehensive. We are here today to discuss what it looks like if there were to be a change of administration. Uh, At this point, it does look like that we're looking at a Joe Biden as president-elect of the United States, and as a result of which, we are discussing today what it would look like if there was a change in administration in reference to immigration policy overall. With that said, I'd like to give a general discussion point as to whether or not there have been some changes in the immigration world in the last three years. I know that the answer to that is yes. But Michelle, maybe you can kick it off with telling us what some examples of some of the things that you've seen in the last three and a half years that have affected immigration processing or immigration issues for our corporate clients. Sure. So one of the very first immigration-related actions that President Trump took back in January 2017 was a travel ban. It's often referred to as the Muslim travel ban, and it includes seven countries, Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. This executive order was based on travel from those countries. And another executive order and change with President Trump It has been um, increased border security and funding towards the border and detention of individuals attempting to enter the United States. Another major change that affects most of our clients is changes in the H-1B and other non-immigrant visas. So since the, the COVID pandemic hit back in April, President Trump signed an executive order prohibiting new immigrant visas, those are people applying for a green card, to come into the United States. There are exceptions, but that was the purpose of that executive order. And then another for new non-immigrant visas, including the H-1B and L-1, which are the most commonly used employment-based immigration visa types. There has been some changes to that ban, but the the basic premise is in place in that if someone is applying for a new visa, they would need a waiver to be able to get it, and that is set to expire on December 31st, 2020. Michelle, on on that point, does it look like right now, because of the uptick in COVID numbers, that there may be a modification even under a Biden administration of that policy, or does it look like it's most likely going to stay status quo? My thought is, just give you my quick personal opinion, is that I think that's going to affect 
moving forward, probably a continuation, depending on the COVID numbers, of some of those more restrictive travel policies. What are your thoughts on that? And Sean, please pipe in as well on that and get your thoughts. Yeah, the Biden administration has not come out and spoken on this directly, but they do have a policy that they will be taking a, a, a strict um, approach against the fight of, of spreading COVID. So it could be that those travel bans that are supported by medical experts from those countries that may have a high level of, of the virus, that those bans continue which might mean that the new visas, the, the ban on the new visa necessarily may not be in place, but the, the travel ban restrictions, which are separate from those, will continue to be in place. So that's what I imagine will occur is that the, the new visa ban will be removed, but the, the travel restrictions will continue. And uh, if I could add one thing too, I think that we need to keep in mind that because of the pandemic, you, you know, we thought maybe with a change of administration or a change of scenery, there could be uh, more of an appetite for comprehensive immigration reform um, that may be backburnered for a couple years uh, because the pandemic has really changed the way that everybody is looking at the immigration issues worldwide. So that's one thing to keep in mind is that we're really in a different place than than we were a year ago in the immigration world. And the type of, of major changes that many people had been expecting or hoping for may be kind of kicked down the road again uh, because of the very unique situation we're in now. You know, I, I would agree with that. I think that overall what's going to happen is there's going to be an evaluation. We all, my understanding from what I see coming from a President-elect Biden's transition team is that uh, there is going to be a large uh, bit of concentration on COVID as the number one issue to be addressed by the country in the first part of uh, his uh, administration. Uh, and as a result of which, I think that that's going to be the focus overall. And since that would be the focus going on to the issue that Michelle and I were addressing, which is the travel and the issue you're bringing up regarding comprehensive immigration reform, or policies in place that could be more ameliorative in reference to immigration policy may take a back burner for many reasons, not only the COVID, but without getting into politics, that's not our role here. Also because of uh, potential Democratic and Republican positions in reference to who takes the leadership of what particular location, whether it's the House, which obviously looks like at this point it will remain Democratic and the Senate with its changes or retention of control uh, at this point, what looks like the Republicans. John, do you think that overall, you know, we were discussing this the other day, is is there going to be overall a change in immigration policy as to enforcement is concerned? I have my thoughts on that as to how it was treated under the Bush administration, what happened when, when the Obama administration came into play, and then obviously how it's happened now with the Trump administration. But do you think it's going to be a major change in enforcement overall, or where do you think that's going to go? No, I, I don't think there's going to be a major change in enforcement. Uh, we can break down enforcement into into two categories. The one that we're primarily dealing with as as a labor and employment firm is worksite enforcement. Um, now, there was a major change over the past three years in form of I-9 audits 
in 2017, um, the acting director of ICE promised to quadruple the number of I-9 audits. At the time, there were just maybe a little over a thousand, uh, but less than two thousand. At that time, several years ago, uh, we were kind of incredulous that that would actually happen, but it, it has played out, and ICE is now conducting over 6,000 I-9 audits a year. I do think that um, there will be a continued focus on employers under a new administration. What we will likely see the, the stop of is worksite enforcement where ICE actually goes and arrests employees who lack status in the United States at the work site. I think that will probably stop. It slowed down over the past year because of the pandemic and ICE basically put a break on enforcement actions on employers for several months. It's picking up a little bit now, but we're not seeing what we saw two years ago in terms of dramatic work site enforcement actions where employees are actually arrested at the work site. I believe those will stop. It will take time. It always takes at least a year or two for changes to kind of filter through agencies. So it'll be time before we see any drastic changes. But um, in the end, I think the, the, there probably will not be a slowdown in I-9 audits. There will probably be a stop of administrative worksite arrest. And that will be the largest change on the other side of enforcement, um, we kind of already have a, a very good sneak preview because um, Vice President Biden was the vice president for eight years. During that time, there was a strong emphasis on focusing agency resources on individuals here who either here legally or not here legally who had committed crimes. I believe that that enforcement priority of the Obama administration will probably return with President-elect Biden should he take office. And uh, it will be a an increase in resources on criminal uh, activity while de-emphasizing going after people here who may lack status but haven't committed any crimes. Yeah, you know, I can I can build on that a little bit. Uh, it helps us having gone lived through through different epochs. And I remember when there was a transition from the Bush administration to the Obama administration, we noticed that the net effect of what was what I call supply-side driven enforcement, which was concentrating on the undocumented workers that were basically picked up at work sites, where we're basically illegally working to what I call demand-side enforcement, which is a concentration on those employers that were retaining the services of undocumented workers and, and concentrating more on the fines and enforcement actions along those lines. I think that with the Trump administration, it was a little bit of a hybrid between those two. It was a little bit of a combination of both. But I think with the uh, a potential Biden administration at this point, I think it would very much look like we would be driving back to the supply side driven enforcement actions or demand side, excuse me, the driven enforcement actions, concentrating more on employer actions rather than on worksite raids, which I think I agree with you, those are going to go away, and or two situations such as retaining those workers that they determined to be undocumented, which was a little bit more of an emphasis of the administration during the last three and a half years, and allocating resources through that. So I think that's where it's going to go. Michelle, would you agree with that, or do you have any additional thoughts to add to that? I would agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and where, where does it look like, Michelle, going back a little bit back to the visa status scenarios, 
you know, we've we've seen a number of denials and requests for evidence and more restrictive immigration policy, some of which are the latest and greatest interim federal regulations that have come out. Where do you think that that may lead us now moving forward? Do you think that the more restrictive policies are going to continue, or do you think there'll be a little bit of an amplification or a little bit of review? I personally don't think it's going to all disappear in a day. I don't think all of a sudden the borders are going to be open up, and I don't think they ever have been. But I think overall there is going to be a more comprehensive application and a more uh, less restrictive uh, scenario. But what do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? And, and if you have certain visa categories you think might be more specifically affected or even green card processing by all means i would agree with that i think like sean said it will take time for any changes in in immigration and while biden has you know stated that he wants to modernize america's immigration system there's really no specifics behind that so I think that one of the things that causes employers most recently the most concern is the changes in the the wage rates for the H-1B visas. They've been increased substantially. And then subsequently a wage-based lottery system. Those items, I would expect that, you know, Biden would work to remove that. But can, you I say, can I interrupt you for a second? When you said wage-based lottery system. Can you explain that to our audience and make sure that they clearly understand what we're discussing there? Sure. So currently the H-1B lottery is a randomized lottery. Aside from the fact there are certain visas set aside for individuals with master's or higher degrees from the United States, the lottery itself is random. But the the newest proposal is that the H-1B cap lottery, which is for new H-1B visas every year, um, that this new lottery this upcoming year will be based on, on wage levels. So for example, if somebody has a level four wage, they would have a higher chance of selection in the lottery than those at a level one wage. And most lottery applicants, not all, but many lottery applicants are recent graduates from U.S. universities. So those individuals, of course, are very concerned because um, they won't have as, as much of a chance in the lottery as the, the current proposed system would be. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. What else do you think that our audience should be looking at as far as kind of looking at it from a policy perspective? Because if they're gaudy, a mobility issue within their organization, what should they be looking at? On green card processing, for example, do we see any changes there that might be effectuating something internally for them? So in terms of green card processing here in the United States, with the Trump administration, there has been a higher standard of review within certain immigrant visa categories, such as a multinational manager visa, which is for intercompany transferees. But I would say that the, the perm process under the Department of Labor has been pretty consistent with what it was in previous administrations. The only change that has occurred recently, and that's really most likely due to COVID, is a very a large backlog of adjudication of perms under at the DOL. It's it moved from three months to almost six months in just 
the past spring, and that's most likely due to COVID. So hopefully if, if things improve or when things improve, that will go back to its prior timeline. In terms of mobility from individuals abroad, and I would say not, not even just a green card, but in general, I know Sean touched on this before, but even if travel restrictions are eased, there is still the issue of individuals who need to have interviews at the U.S. consulates abroad, and many of those are closed and or operating under limited capacity, and we haven't seen much movement in terms of reopening. And I think that that's something that's going to continue now under a new administration because there's just no way that they're going to be able to open up in mass, particularly if we're looking at numbers going up in Europe or in Asia and other parts of the world that basically are heavily affected overall. So I think that's going to be something that we've got to be moving forward. I'm seeing a trend here in our discussion points, and that trend tends to be whether it's non-immigrant, immigrant, which is green card processing, consular issues, enforcement, but overall, if there is a change in policy, what I keep hearing both of you say, that it isn't going to happen overnight, that it may be something that may take some time. I'm thinking probably a six-month window minimally, but do we have any idea what your thoughts are would take to make some of these changes take fruit, whether it's from the enforcement world, Sean, or Michelle, whether it's enforcement or immigration processing? What is really the practical observational point or takeaway somebody listening to this can get a, an idea of where to go with changes internally? I, I think for an employer, uh, employer worksite enforcement issues is to continue to be vigilant. Um, I believe that we're going to continue to see increased enforcement action uh, from ICE. These audits may have happened in the past few years, but employers still aren't seeing the results yet. Um, it takes time for these audits to happen. So the fines, et cetera, will be coming down in the next year or two and reaching employers. So, you know, still you need to tidy up your I-9 house and, uh, you know, be prepared for continued enforcement from ICE. Um, one thing I just want to mention too is the more strictly employment side of this, what we've seen with the uh, anti-discrimination provisions of the immigration laws and really an increase from the Department of Justice Immigrant and Employee Rights section and enforcement actions over the past few years. Part of that was meant to protect U.S. citizens uh, against basically encroachment um, as the Trump administration saw it from non-immigrant visa holders, H-1Bs, etc. I still think that the, the DOJ is going to be pretty active in making sure that employers are not discriminating against asylees, refugees, U.S. citizens, and permanent residents. I've seen uh, a significant increase from that office, and I don't think that's going to go away either because it does tie into Vice President Biden's you know, ideas and making sure that the workplace is, is free of discrimination of any sort. Yeah, and I think that's just going to increase. And going back to your comment on, on just general immigration enforcement policies from, from an ICE perspective, I think that's going to continue on its path. It's no secret that Obama administration really increased the number of on-site audits nationwide compared to the Bush administration. And obviously, the Trump administration, you know, doubled up on that as well. So I don't think that we're going to really see a, a amelioration of some of these audits. Maybe the scope will, will we see less 
enforcement actions at work sites. Yes, I think that'll be from the perspective of the what do we call the raids, where basically they come in uh, and arrest or take away individuals that are at a specific work site compared to, let's say, and just a regular routine I-9 audit. I think the routine I-9 audits will continue. Question to be had is whether they will continue at 6,000 a year pace or will they basically be cut back a little bit? My bet is it's probably going to continue at a pretty hefty pace because it's always been politically expedient to concentrate on that area overall, irrespective of political party. And and my my thought on that, it would be that it, it will definitely, definitely continue during a Biden administration. Michelle, in, in our world, which is the visa world, I, I think overall what my thoughts are on this is that I think it's going to be problematic uh, moving forward to make to just turn around and make all these changes overnight, as we've discussed. But I think we will be seeing some effective changes more once the COVID scenario gets out of the way, that we'll be able to see more robust consular processing issues and going back to the flexibility of travel, which we do not have right now. And most of that is most COVID related. But if we're taking the crystal ball, we're now six, seven months, eight months down the road, eight months, that's more practical than nine months. And we We've got good news in reference to our vaccines. We're moving forward, and we're basically now able to go back to a routine. Do you think that world would be the pre-Trump world or the Trump world, or what would the Biden administration be looking at it from an immigration policy perspective when it comes to visas? I would imagine that a Biden administration would have a more flexible policy with respect to to visas. The Biden administration has stated that they do believe that immigration is beneficial to U.S. companies and they want to support that. One of the questions, too, that you you asked a, a few minutes ago and I think is important to understand is the difference between the executive orders and those actual administrative changes to the law. And so many of the the executive orders that were issued under President Trump can be easily repealed by a a Biden administration. And and so, like you said, if COVID, um, you know, the conditions improve, it's very easy for a Biden administration to take off those orders. But certain things like the wage change, the level of review by the administration of H-1Bs and the lottery system, those were actually um, changes in the federal register. And to repeal those would be a different process. Right. Those might take a little bit more time. Right. And, and, and that's why we'll see effective changes. I think the ones that are more related to your point, and I do agree with you, the executive orders type activity, those are easily um, more addressed from uh, the perspective of a presidential executive order addressing those, those concerns. And, and Sean, we were discussing earlier some uh, you know, different phases and things that I know we get a lot of calls from clients, particularly when DACA was finally coming down and there was there was a great thought that it was going to go away very quickly. Uh, that got slowed down a little bit. I know there's been litigation. That litigation has basically stopped the uh, rescission of the rule. But even outside of that, with a oh, Biden administration change, don't you think that really the litigation is less of an issue as much as maybe executive order policy or an implementation of change through a that that uh, avenue rather than the legal avenue? 
Yes. So um, with DACA or, you know, the, the Dreamer program that, that has been around um, since President Obama's administration, you know, as, as a reminder, tying into what's regulation and what's executive order, the DACA program was basically created by a, an executive order and a direction of Homeland Security to provide benefits to, to people who had come here as children. So uh, when President Trump rescinded it, his decision to rescind it was tied up in litigation. That's still ongoing to today. Um, the DACA program has not stopped. And when a new administration comes into place, it, it is very easy. It's one of those things, the DACA provision. DACA program is an executive order. And if Vice President Biden becomes president, he can continue it, you know, regardless of what has happened in the past. Yeah, I see that going in that direction as well. I know that there's many things to discuss here, but I think if we, I'm looking at one theme that I'm getting from both of you overall, is really it looks like if there are going to be changes, which it looks like where the expectation is in different areas there will be, those changes are going to take time and we're not going to see immediate effects other than some isolated cases. And it's going to take some time, maybe minimally looks like a six-month threshold, if not more. Is there anything else that we should be adding to that comment or that we haven't discussed that you guys think that we should bring up at this point? No, I, I just uh, I, I think that there's there's so many balls in the air right now with the with the pandemic and the control of Congress and the Senate that uh, it's hard to make any sweeping predictions. But, uh, you know, for the next six to eight months, it's going to be all looking a lot like what it's looked like the past few years. But we will. Definitely keep our eyes open and ears to the ground and, uh, and continue to keep you all updated. Great. Thank you. And I know we there, there are many things that affect immigration policy and many things that will be affecting immigration processing moving forward. And this conversation we just had is not by any means going to, it's considered a comprehensive or illustrative of everything that could possibly happen. But we want to give you a general feel of the environment in reference to that and how what it's going to look like. And with that said, I want to take this time to thank uh, everybody on behalf of Lidler and the Global Mobility Immigration Practice Group as to basically uh, listening to us and uh, giving us the opportunity to address your concerns in this avenue. Thank you. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.